Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York Football Podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. We have Pat DiMartino coming on the show. We're going to break down all the futures for the potential NCAA winners and the actual conference winners for the NCAA men's side later in this show. And if you're going to do any of those bets and listen to our advice, you got to head over to betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino as well. It never closes. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Believe in New York Football Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and I'm back after the week off. I took a nice little vacay, a little personal vacation over down to Miami. Had a little fun, but we're back. Still no crazy football news to talk about, but it's officially March Madness. It's March 2nd, and Pat Martino, like I just mentioned in the ad read there, is going to be on the show here, and we're going to break down the entire NCAA tournament and conference potential winners. We're not going to break down the entire 64-team field, but we're going to talk about some favorites, some winners, because, of course, all we do on this show is pump out winners. Let's not forget that stellar against the spread finish in the NFL season, and I plan on continuing that here in the college basketball season. I haven't bet much regular season, but Pat knows what he's talking about. He's been grinding it out in the regular season here. I have some futures out already you guys will hear about those and i'll talk about where i see profit and some long shot possibilities for this tournament but still football show but definitely tons of basketball knowledge to dish out so we plan on doing that here later in the show but first be sure to like download rate and subscribe on all podcast platforms be sure to also follow us on twitter at nyfootballpod as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Before we jump into that discussion with Pat, I do want to touch on some relative news here on the Giants front. The Giants did bring back former offensive line coach Pat Flaherty as an offensive consultant. Pat was with the Giants for over 10 years, won both Super Bowls with the Giants. He was here from 2004 to 2015, has a lot of history with this Giants organization, and they're bringing him back as a consultant, but I assume, obviously, Joe Judge recently hired Rob Sale as the Giants' new offensive line coach. I assume Flaherty will be involved with this offensive line and helping them out. But we'll see because last year we heard a lot of info about Joe Judge helping with the offensive line. We still can't confirm or deny that. You know, it seems as if Joe Judge wants to let these guys who are at the top run their ship and run the show the way they want. But again, Pat Flaherty, seasoned guy, very, very established in this league and respected, especially by his players. Uh, You saw a lot of his former linemen, especially uh, a fan of this show, Kevin Booth, tweeted out that he loved it. So 
a lot of positive stuff there. And I think Flaherty will probably be more on the coaching film side of things because from what we're hearing from uh, former Giants players that had worked with him in the past is that he excels at breaking down uh, tape. And so that's something that's a huge asset uh, for this team. And it's something you know Joe Judge and Patrick Graham definitely love to do. So I'm sure he'll bring that to the offensive side of the ball. And the Giants will need it because we were, you know, the second worst scoring offense in the NFL last year. Obviously no Saquon, but this offensive line definitely needs a tune-up. I love the signing. I like bringing back someone who has definitely seen the success of this organization before. And hey, you know what? Shout out to Coach Flaherty. I hope everything works out here again. And he's not another one-year stint like Colombo and, uh, you know, Googs was last year. But that's all the news really right now. The offseason's been a little bit dead, but that's why we're going to turn up a little bit and get into this March Madness here with Pat DiMartino. I'm excited to have Pat back on. Usually, it's a tandem between Pat and Bill Campy, but this time it's just going to be a solo show here with Pat. Bill will be on next week, but for this show, we're going to break down these NCAA basketball lines for the upcoming tournament and the upcoming conference tournaments. The season is almost over, so buckle up, lock in, because we're pumping out winners. So here he is, Pat DiMartino. Now I have the great pleasure of welcoming back on for, I mean, in this year, this has got to be the fifth, sixth time. And I think there's only like seven weeks so far through the year. I love it. Uh, If I could, I'd have you every day of every week, but I can't. We get you about once a week, Pat, but I'm glad to have you back. Uh, We're going to change things up a little bit today. We're going to not really talk about football and we're going to talk about a little college basketball. But before we dive in, how are you doing? How's how's everything holding up? Good, man. I I feel like March 1st is... It's just a sign that spring is on the way. We've kind of gotten through the dog days of sports. You know, golf season's right around the corner in the Northeast, so I'm excited from that standpoint. But March Madness is kind of like a a darling of mine since I was a little kid. I love the tournament. This time of year really fires me up, and I've been following college hoops all season long, so I'm excited to get a tournament. We got robbed of it last year, and hopefully, knock on wood, everything goes smoothly and we get a tournament. So, yeah, I told the people exactly that I haven't been diving in. And people who have followed the show know the last time we talked about college basketball on the live stream, you had told me to put money on Michigan, which I had done. And you were ahead of that. And we'll start there in a second. But I haven't bet too much in season on this, but you have been. So you're going to be able to give me the refresher and tell me about what these teams really look like under the brass tacks of their records and, you know, all the all the window dressing right now. But. I think the underlining thing here for me is that we were cheated of a tournament last year. I think that's the whole thing. We talked about it before we got on air. I haven't been in it in the regular season, but I do feel last season was just a reset button for this year. Like not much of the dynamic has changed. I guess some of the blue bloods aren't so great right now, but other than that, I, it's kind of what we expected. Like Florida state is still the best team in the ACC. Gonzaga is always there. Luca Garza is holding it down at Iowa. So I feel like, I've been out of the game, but not much has changed. Is, is that about right? Yeah, I think the landscape is is fairly similar this season to what it would have been last year. Obviously, you know, not uh, identical, but, you know, we sort of have like two years of sample size now to work off without last year's tournament jeeting us or making us, you know, biased against certain teams. So I, I kind of like that feeling of it's a continuation of last season. But yeah, man, that was brutal last year. I mean, obviously, there were a lot worse things happening in our country at that time, but 
uh, with COVID and the tournament getting canceled, that was like a real shock to the system and a downer. I mean, we went through the whole season to not get that fun little nugget of March Madness hurt. So uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to take off this year. I've heard people saying that it's not going to be very popular this year. It's going to be a slow season for March Madness. I think people fans are built up two years worth of uh, tournament angst. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think the cool thing for me is that, I mean, maybe not cool, but everything's being played in the same region this year, which I guess will be a little bit different. I like I think, that. What's up? I like yeah. that as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, Indiana is all I was going to say. I thought you were going to say. So, yeah, Indiana, Indiana, right? Indianapolis? Yeah, Indianapolis. Yeah, so so it's all going to be played in the same spot. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for it for that reason. I, I mean, the thing about March Madness, too, it's the best. I mean, it is the Cinderella story. That's where Cinderella's come about. So I want to start with your potential uh, long shot winner here, at least from a few months ago in Michigan, they finally made the jump over Baylor. Baylor obviously finally lost. How are you feeling about Michigan? I mean, at this point from a, you know, futures market perspective, they're obviously way too short to take another plunge in them. They're like plus 370 in that range, just mathematically. I mean, that's almost assuming that they get to the final four. The people at home, I know, I know, where did you get them at? So yeah, they're at plus three seventy five. Just give them an idea of where you kind of were able to get in on them at. Um, I have uh, 40 to one on FanDuel from sometime in December, roughly. Uh, I remember watching them play a game against Maryland and just, they have so many different uh, matchup issues that they can present and so many different ways to defend and score. Uh, I just think in a one game spot, if they play their best, they're basically unbeatable. And I like teams like that, that have a high ceiling, you know, a lot of these teams have high floors, they're going to win three rounds, but they do they really have a chance to to take the whole thing, you know? So my, my issue with Michigan is almost that, and I haven't seen them play this year, but I've seen this story before kind of like, do you think that they're able to, to finish it? Like, no, I mean, I've seen a good Michigan team is what I'm saying. I've seen them get to the dance and they didn't exactly finish the, the, the final exactly how they would have liked. Is this team different? There's no Trey Burke on this team, I assume, right? The, you, you believe this is a different kind of feel for this Michigan team? Completely different. Uh, better mm-hmm. players. Juwan Howard's done an awesome job getting just NBA-type talent. I feel like in the past, they've potentially overachieved in the regular season. John Beeline's a tremendous coach. Uh, he's gotten the most out of his guys, and then maybe they were – you know, not quite as good as they appeared on paper and disappointed a bit in the tournament. They've made some runs as well. We can't discount that. But Juwan Howard's done a tremendous job. The scary thing is next year they have the number one recruiting class in the nation coming in. So they're just going to be reloading. I think that actually may motivate this class, though, to be the first ones that, like, turned Michigan around. You know, they, they don't want to hear next year's the year. This is their year. Um, but I think a big thing that Juwan did this season was hire Phil Martelli, the St. Joe's great. Uh, this guy's a, an old old school coach with high-end elite tournament experience with sort of teams that were not expected. He did a great job at St. Joe's sort of, you know, taking that team deep a few times with little talent. So I think he's gotten a lot out of sort of the extra depth guys, and that's helped Michigan in spots. You know, they're old on the bench. You know, they have redshirt seniors, juniors. Um, Sean D. Brown, a Wake Forest transfer, led them in scoring last year. He's sort of like a high energy guy off the bench for them. So they have really like three places to go to infuse energy and spell minutes from these unbelievable five starters. I, I just think in game, their depth and their answers is, is just remarkable. This is a really, really special team. So 
let's circle out of Michigan. And I wanted to start there because obviously that's the big ticket winner here. People can't really get in on it now, but I wanted them to have an idea of, you know, how well you kind of had your head wrapped around this stuff, because I think that's insane to get it at 40 to one. I was able, I think we established at like 12, 13 to one, still not even as good as you, but now it's all the way even down even further there. They're also plus 145 to win the Big Ten. The Big Ten has some comp there. It, it, it's pretty loaded. So um, we already talked about the conference championships are going to be different. But let's circle out of Michigan and let's talk about the two Hold teams. On. Yeah, go ahead. The Big Ten is the best league uh, of all time this season, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, on Ken Palm, which is something I'm going to reference a lot through this show, Ken Pomeroy has sort of a college basketball adjusted algorithm that shows you know offense and defensive stats, tempo, that sort of stuff. Anyway, they have seven teams in the top 15 on Ken Palm. I've never seen anything like that. Four of the top seven. This league every single night is just an absolute war. Michigan gets Illinois tonight, mm. which is going to be another very stiff test. So that, that league is just awesome, just as a aside to the Michigan yeah, point. Yeah, no, 100%. And so even on here, I mean, other than Iowa, I'm really not going to hit on Ohio State. Illinois, I mean, you even got the Wisconsin of the world that are sneaking into the top 25 there. I mean, they really have talent all across the board. But I wanted to talk about the big dogs here because for a while, all I heard is, is this going to be the year that there's an unbeaten national championship again? And then Baylor lost finally. And now it's left to Gonzaga. I love Suggs. I followed Suggs since he was in high school. Um, I really haven't seen Gonzaga, but normally I don't need to watch him. And it's the same blueprint every time. But do you think Suggs, I feel like, the thing with Gonzaga is they hadn't had a playmaker kind of of his ability that can really take over a game, um, you know, in a bit, at least in my eyes. I mean, I think he's going to excel in the next level too. He's just sustained it uh, throughout his high school career to college. They haven't lost. Are, are they the team to beat? Do you believe they're the team to beat or do you see Baylor really right there with them? Uh, I think it's closer than it appears right now because Baylor is just in a tough stretch coming off a three-week COVID pause. You know, they're a defensive-oriented team and missed practices for three weeks is going to totally screw up your cardio and, and your defense. So Baylor looks worse than they are right now. But, yeah, Gonzaga is the team to be. I mean, they have non-conference wins, albeit they're, the problem issue I do have with them is the competition. These big wins were in December. They beat Kansas, Auburn, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia. So that put them on the map of where – you know, we're as good as all these major conference teams do not use strength of schedule to knock us. But the thing is that that conference is so down this year, BYU, St. Mary's and San Francisco are all worse than they've been in the past three years. That's their stiffest comp. So I don't know if they're getting better Gonzaga. We wouldn't know if they're getting a little bit worse. Like they're going to just beat these teams every single night. It's hard to tell. I mean, they're not overly deep either. You know, they're, they're five deep as far as, really talented, talented players, they, they'll go seven deep is about the max in a game. So I think that may hurt them in a tournament. Uh, Gonzaga is the team to beat, as you said. Suggs being 6'5", can kind of get his own shot, can facilitate, can do it all. You know, the forwards are obviously their big scorers with Timmy and Kispert. Those are just 6'10 guys that are very versatile around the basket. So they can pick and pop. They just have a lot of different ways to beat you. Um, this is what I love about college basketball, by the way, and, and especially about Gonzaga, because, you know, I just remember the time where everyone begged for Gonzaga to get the recognition despite, you know, the shitty conference schedule and just beating up on their conference. Now they get it every year. And, and that's why I think Suggs could be the difference here, because I do think he kind of has the yip factor that they haven't really had. Whereas like 
you can't really tell. Like, they're always my first one seed to be out. Like, every year, I always say Gonzaga will be the first to go. Just because, just by default, because I haven't seen it enough. But I think you're right. Like, I think you hit it on the head. It's like, we really can't tell. And then it's it's tough to gauge kind of with all these other teams. Because like you said, right behind them. I mean, the Big 12 is no joke. The Big 10 is, is obviously at the stature that it is. So, you're seeing teams going out there competing against I mean, really dominant competition and are really preparing for the tournament, in my opinion, on, on some high state games. So it's hard to say Gonzaga. I mean, when they face adversity for the first time, are they going to be able to turn it around? I mean, you can't say that. Yeah, it's been three months since they've had, you know, a team on the floor that could actually compete with them just from a size standpoint. Like they had same, they have such an advantage right now in this league. They, they can get their own shot whenever they want, no matter what you do defensively. I mean, you can't double team everybody. So uh, I do worry about Gonzaga. Opening weekend, they should cruise at sort of the level of comp that they've been seeing. But after that, and, you know, Suggs is still a freshman. You know, he seems like an old, mature kid, at, at, you know, behind it all. But I don't know. If you're a freshman in a big spot, he hasn't played in front of crowds all year. All of a sudden, we get into an Elite Eight matchup with 25% capacity in Indianapolis and, like, a mm-hmm. big arena. I think it could be a little bit of a different story for them. So, obviously, I would have to fade Gonzaga at that price, but I still will – certainly admit that they're the, the best team in the country right now. Yeah, definitely. So so let's circle back now, and, and we'll go down in the Big Ten here. And I just want to talk about my love for Luca Garza. Uh, I blindly bet Luca Garza each of the last two seasons because uh, before I really knew who he was, I'm like, why is no one talking about this guy yet? And then last year he started picking up steam, and now this year, you know, getting consideration for the player of the year and so on and so forth. And, you know, truthfully, I just love everything about him. He stands up for the white boys everywhere. You know, he, he looks very unathletic in my opinion. Like he's obviously a freak, but he just doesn't look like he would be a basketball player aside from his size. And he plays for Iowa, you know, it's like, it's not really the typical, you know, thought you think of when you um, think of like a uh, possible powerhouse, but here they are sitting in the top five here. And I think he has a lot to do with it. Um, they're 13 to one long shots here. Uh, not really long shots, but I mean, they have a ways to go here to win the NCAA tournament plus 350 uh, to win the Big Ten. I wanted to gauge here your your heat on Garza and Iowa, because I, I think for me, too, with the NCAA tournament and this is really with anything, but I like betting the jockey and not much of the horse. So, like, if they got a guy on their team, that's why I mentioned Suggs, if they got you know, the potential breakout guy of the tournament, I think that's enough for you to try to put your money behind it and see if that guy could carry you there. I think Garza is a matchup nightmare and I think he could take him pretty far, but I don't know. I don't know if his supporting cast is enough. Have you seen enough of them to say that maybe they can make a run at the whole thing? Yeah, I've seen a ton of Iowa. Uh, I think they can. I think it might be harder for them to win the big 10 tournament than to win the whole thing, to be honest with you, because the, the big 10 teams have so much size that they don't necessarily always have to double Garza. And Iowa will make you pay if you double team because they have four guys typically that you can kick it to and shoot a high percentage from three. Um, McCaffrey's a good coach, especially with his offensive sets. I actually, I was on one of my bigger single bet games of the year on Sunday. I was on Iowa uh, against Ohio State. They were able to pull the upset there. I just liked how Iowa played defensively against Michigan. I thought that loss was a little bit better in reality than it looked on paper. So I really wanted to buy on a, a – on Iowa in that spot against Ohio state. Um, they're loaded, man. They're, they're very special team in another year. They would be talking about them. Like we're talking about Michigan, but 
uh, there's just too much competition in that in that uh, conference. Uh, honestly, though, I think with Iowa, we have to wait on the draw. And hopefully we could do another show before the tournament once the brackets come out. You know, if they're playing smaller teams in the side of the draw that they're on, they have a huge edge because Garza is unstoppable one-on-one in the post against anybody. He can shoot it well enough from the perimeter that you at least have to guard him out there. I mean, you don't have to strap, but at least it forces you to pull away from the basket. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on Iowa. They're very draw-dependent. Uh, I like them against any team that's not overly athletic and can't guard one through five. I mean, they're, they're lethal. Yeah, I mean, really, I'm just looking at who's really giving it to them. And other than Michigan, they, they've been in most of their games other than early in the season. They had a pretty ugly loss, I guess you'd say, against Minnesota. But I think Minnesota's turned it around as of late, if I'm not mistaken. Minnesota's had a year, but they can beat it. Minnesota can beat anyone because they're super athletic at full strength and they play great defense. And when they shoot the three, they're tough. Like, I love Minnesota. They just hit a rough spell with some injuries and they're not going to make the tournament. But they beat Michigan, too. That was their only loss. So yep. Minnesota's a good team. Uh, now, so speaking of really good conferences, I want to talk about a conference that and, – and I'm a fan of Syracuse. So they're, they're in this conference, and we're no good either. But by default, the entire conference, in my opinion, stinks. Florida State's been the best team in this uh, ACC for two years now. Last year, I thought it was very funny that they claimed themselves ACC champions before everything was really over. That was my running joke as a fan. Um, you know, they gave themselves a banner and everything, and they didn't actually play for it, but that's besides the point. Um, this is also my window to make Duke jokes because I do also like, and of course, it got canceled because of COVID, but I like that Duke was having a down year, and they just got right out in front of it, said that we're not going to the tournament, even if we make it. It's like, right, even if you make it, you're not going to get, get right out in front of it, Mike. You know, I, I get it. I get it. And I'm sure they'd say the same thing now, even though they're probably, you know, headed for uh, headed for. I don't even know what they would make at this point. I know they've gotten better. They beat Q's and they were getting some steam, but it seems like they're definitely still not making the tournament. Right. Am, am, am no, I not? they're in. They're right. gonna get they're, as of right now. I mean, they beat Virginia, didn't they? Is that is that that was a big one recently? Right, they needed that game. I mean, I think they'll get in it with a relatively strong finish. I haven't studied the bubble a whole lot, but I think they're you know a nine seed type team, and no one's gonna want to play them early. I mean, they're Definitely getting better, not. and so is Carolina. The two teams that were down to me are sort of peaking at the right time. I don't think they're good enough to make serious runs, but they could be a pesky out early on. And I agree with you. The ACC, this is actually a several-year trend of the yeah. conference being overrated. And now it's gotten to the point where it's not even really overrated. Everyone knows it's a, it's a bad league. Um, I think the conference tournament is extremely random. I think even teams like Georgia Tech, Louisville, uh, Miami, oh, yeah. I think there's teams that can just beat almost – I think these teams could beat each other in a one-game spot. So mm-hmm. if I was betting the conference championship, it would either be Florida State or a long shot. You know, I, that, that's kind of how I look at it with the ACC. Yeah, I'll always bet the Qs just because um, – and, you know, they'll definitely be a long shot in that, but they're going to have a ways to go. They got to get hot, and they just don't have enough. Bayheim is just falling off a cliff. But let's talk about Florida State then because – for me with Florida State, it's like I'm looking at this. They're sitting at number 11, 14 and 4, 10 and 3 in conference. They're the best of the worst. But in terms of the tournament, I mean, I know they're sound. They got some length on their team, but I don't know. They don't really do it for me. So I does this team kind of give you anything to get excited about? I mean, aside from defensively, I know they're a sound defensive team. But other than that, I mean, I'm trying to look for a significant win here. I mean, Virginia doesn't really do it for me. And other than that, I mean, I'm not seeing anything that really jumps off the page. And again, the ACC is not very good this year. So a lot of the teams that they're beating up on are, you know, 
whatever. Yeah, FSU, I think, is a team that is really going to overwhelm the lesser competition early on, especially uh, if teams lack size. They're just going to absolutely destroy you on the glass. And defensively, you have to play you have to play smart against FSU. You can't let them get out in the open floor because once they get in transition, you know, it sort of becomes like a dunk parade. Uh, they're very aggressive defensively. They play 10, 11 guys every night, so they can really be full speed. Uh, I kind of – I disagree a little bit about your the Florida State take. I, I think they're a legitimate uh, contender. It's just I, I do worry about them a bit in a close game, you know, mm-hmm. in a half-court slugfest if they have to get a good look in a big spot. I'm not sure that they run smooth enough offense. So once they run into a team that, you know, plays uh, – a sound offensive game against them like picture like a Villanova type team a team that's not going to turn the ball over that type of team I, I think can give FSU a little bit of trouble but so again a draw specific team I don't think they get upset early by uh, you know a no name but pr- probably will fall short of the big prize but they're the best team in the ACC by a wide margin interesting I like that. I need to see this is information the people need to know. I need to know. So this way, especially when the tournament time comes and we start seeing these matchups, we know what to look for. And right now, seems like Florida State's right under Villanova. So they're neck and neck there. Here's a team sitting at 13, though, that I really want to talk about in the Kansas Jayhawks. Out of all the Blue Bloods that really haven't fallen off a cliff, I like that Kansas is kind of working their way back in. This is all I'm going to say. The, the Big Ten's loaded. I love the way the Big, to, uh, Big 12 plays. Um, they score a bunch of buckets and, you know, they got talent for days. Obviously Kansas just beat Baylor, but that aside, I mean, they went through a tough stretch here, Baylor, Texas, Texas sec. Um, they lost to Texas on the road by three, but really they're in every single game at West Virginia was a tough loss. Tennessee looks ugly, but again, I, I just feel like this is a scrappy team. That's kind of getting on at the right time. Um, and they're going kind of through the gauntlet there of, uh, of the Big 12. I, I think Oklahoma State has a lot of promise. Oklahoma, you know, can really ball out. I mean, when you're really looking at the Big 12, they got talent, you know, up into Texas Tech there in terms of records. I mean, the worst record out of all those guys are 15, 15 and 8, 14 and 8, 14 and 7 here. Um, I like Kansas a lot. They're here at plus 2,000 to win the NCAA tournament. We talked about how, you know, we don't love Benton Conference uh, tournaments. But at five to one to win it, and they just took out the best team who, and we talked about the reason we don't like Ben Conference tournaments is kind of unpredictable in terms of, you know, the best teams don't always win. Uh, you know, they're kind of more looking for the bigger picture. And I think Baylor might be looking for that national championship. So if they slip up, who am I looking at in, as the next best team in this conference? I mean, it's a toss up because I do like tech. I have a futures on tech and I also like Oklahoma state, obviously because of Cunningham, but it's not West Virginia. So I don't mind giving the nod to Kansas here. What are your thoughts on the Jayhawks? Do you, you like them? They're a tough, tough breakdown for me. I actually did like them early in the season when they were kind of underachieving. I, I did see a bounce back. Uh, I think Bill Self is a really good coach, especially in game from an adjustment standpoint. Uh, they're a team that I've live bet uh, a lot over the last couple of years that first four minutes is usually pretty bad for them. It's almost like the first self timeout, you automatically bet Kansas because they typically will make the, 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 the good first adjustment in games. Anyway, uh, this year, I just don't think they could score uh, at an efficient enough level to be a threat to win the whole thing. Um, you know, my, uh, Garrett is a really gritty, t- there's a, they're a gritty team. They're a tough team. 
Uh, I don't know if they're overly talented. You know, Jalen Wilson's one of my favorite players in the country. Uh, just an awesome all-around player, a scorer, a rebounder, but not someone that really um, is going to get his own shot, you know, without hogging the ball. It's kind of a they're, – they're, they're a strange team offensively, Kansas. Uh, they'll have one guy that kind of goes off on a given night. Uh, the kid Brown's a really good three-point shooter, but then he'll be 0 for 7 the next game. They're a very erratic offensive team. When they shoot it and when McCormick is playing well inside, uh, they're tough. I think it was unfortunate last year for the tournament to get canceled for them. They were a really good team with Abaji down low. I mean, they were with McCormick. I mean, you have two seven-footers they could play. Uh, I think they had more talent at the point guard position too uh, last season. So I think it's a, a tall task for Kansas. I prefer the Texases of the world, the mm -hmm. Texas Techs. I don't think Texas Tech is quite good enough to actually win the tournament. I do think Texas is, although they're in a bit of a rough patch right now. Oklahoma State's going to have the – number one pick in the draft who may not be freshman of the year because of Suggs. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a well, tough, tough no, call I'm glad me. I'm glad you kind of hit on all those. Cause I wanted to tie all of them together. My plan was to tie Texas tech and Oklahoma state together because they're kind of sitting next to each other in the rankings too. Um, but really those are two guys who have a guy, you know, they, they have their offensive go-to guy. I mean, obviously Kate Cunningham is, is exploding. He's probably going to get taken one, one. And then I follow McGlunk, another guy I followed since high school transfer from Georgia. I was a big East guy. I saw what he was able to do there. They didn't exactly use him to what he was capable of. And I mean, when McGlunk takes over, I mean, that's kind of their, their, their strength and their weakness. Cause they rely on him a lot to do a lot of things and he's going to take a majority of the shots. So it's either he's cooking and they're cooking or if he's off, they're going to just ride with him. And in the tournament, obviously, one game, if he's off and they're riding with him, he's not going. I don't know where else they look. But to win the whole tournament, Oklahoma State is looking at plus 2,000. Texas Tech, plus 3,500. I think Texas Tech has jumped up because I think I got them at plus 3,000 initially. To win the Big 12, though, you have Oklahoma State at plus 50, uh, uh, 550. And um, Texas Tech is at plus 900. Basically, of these two teams, which of those, and obviously it seems like that might be an easy answer because one's going to be the number one overall pick, but who do you think can take over the tournament more? Do you think Cunningham could, or do you think McClung could? Well, McClung is, you know, a volume shooter. Um, he's not a perfect fit yet for Texas Tech. They don't really traditionally want to play that way. Um, you're right, though. He is the guy that they look to to get a bucket. In, in, in a key set late in the game. I think he could really use one more year in that system to learn some of the defensive nuances. He sort of doesn't fit uh, the rest of the pieces of the puzzle on the defensive end. But I, I think Texas Tech is a – you're talking about to win the, the whole thing or the Big 12 tournament? Well, you know, for me to – well, no, I, this would be for the whole thing, but I'm looking for more of, like, the story. You know what I mean? Like the Jimmer for debts of the world, like which of these two guys, obviously people know about Cunningham. People obviously know about Mac a little bit more because he's starting to take over, but people have known him forever. But which of these two guys do you think will kind of thrive in the tournament? I mean, obviously to make a run, but really just kind of take over and be the difference maker. And I mean, I, you saw the John Morant. I mean, most of the time to take over the tournament, you need to win one game or pull off an upset, but most, I mean, both of these teams probably won't be, you know, a top eight, See, I mean, they might. I don't know. Well, Again, I'm not into the bracketology too much. Yeah, so I, I mean, know. Cunningham but. doesn't necessarily flash every single night. You know, he just had a huge game against Oklahoma, but he sort of gets his quiet mm -hmm. 20 with, like, you know, seven assists. Mm -hmm. He wants to really facilitate. Uh, McClung, I guess, from a story standpoint, 
I could see him going off for like 30 back-to-back games type sort of deal. Uh, Cunningham has that potential, but that's not what Oklahoma State needs to do to win. They have a better team, uh, I think a better supporting cast. Uh, Texas Tech, from an offensive standpoint, just doesn't have that many options. The thing is, they just play with unbelievably great intensity and toughness, and they've been through a lot of grinders this year. And I think they'll, I think they'll intimidate you early on if you're not used to seeing that level of defense more. So I think they're a little bit less upset prone early on than Oklahoma State but probably not efficient enough on the offensive end to take a stab at winning the whole thing. So. I mean, so looking at the numbers, I, I, I think you hit it on the head. Obviously, like Texas Tech is going to be more sparky, but I kind of like Oklahoma State a little bit here. I think they're catching fire at the right time. They haven't really been out of a lot of games. Uh, they won five in a row. Their most recent bad loss would I, would I guess be to Kansas, who's turning it around. That was a 12-point loss. And um, – you know, again, they're, they're playing in a tough conference. Baylor gave them the, you know, gave them the work. But really, I'm not looking at this and thinking that, that they can't put something together. Their first three losses, a one-point loss to TCU, three-point loss to Texas, and a three-point loss to West Virginia. So, I, I mean, they, they hang around. If they're a team getting points in the tournament, honestly, and knowing who they have on their team and, and what they're capable of, I mean, I feel like this is a team I might ride. Maybe not a money line type of team, but if they're ever getting points in the tournament, I kind of like that. I kind of like that a lot, actually, just to kind of tail. Yeah, I mean, I would have to see the specific matchup. Uh, Yeah. I'm a little more bearish on that range of the Big 12 than you. I think Baylor, Mm -hmm. when they're actually, you know, at full speed, is like light years ahead of these teams. Yeah, they're another Uh, planet. And I think sort of that next group of five sort of beat up on each other a lot through the season. And I don't think any of them are particularly that good. I've seen better additions of all of them in the past. West Virginia is, you know, obviously the, the most talented of that bunch. Uh, this is the best offensive team that Huggins has had probably ever. Uh, they don't guard quite as well, which is kind of alarming. If they run into a hot three-point shooting team for one given night, they're going to be in trouble because they do not really communicate and rotate that well defensively. So uh, I would say West Virginia would be my stab as a live team that can actually win if they play their best because uh, I don't think any of those other teams quite have the firepower to take it to distance. You know, and Baylor's thinking next level here. You want to get the loss out of the way. They had three games left to do it. You don't want to go into the tournament undefeated. You never do. You never want to go into the tournament undefeated. Gonzaga has to learn the hard way every year. You want to lose at least one. Get it out of the way. You got you to shake the cobwebs off and get it out of the way. A few honorable mentions here. I, I want to touch on a few teams that I definitely don't know enough about. I know about Virginia, but – uh, I want to talk about the Pac-12 and the Mountain West here. And then the two favorites here, at least to win the tournament, we have USC, who's fallen out of the rankings a little bit. The coaches' rankings have them at 24. Um, I got them at the same price they're at right now, plus 3,000 to win the tournament. Um, they're falling off the map. They're a team trending in the wrong direction. Um, we can start there, but the other team I wanted to get to, and just so you have it in your head, is San Diego State. I have not seen a single thing on San Diego State at all. I know they're, they're you know, a good college basketball, you know, program. They have been over years past, but again, it's the Mountain West. So um, I guess whichever you want to start with there, just fire away. I think the Mountain West is better than the Pac-12. I think this is the best Mountain West conference I've ever seen. I've actually followed it really closely. Hmm. Um, Any of those top teams, I I think, can make a run. Uh, San Diego State, um, Utah State, Boise, Colorado State. State. These teams are all very, very good, and they're old and they're athletic. Um, I, I 
I don't know if it's going to be, it might be a two bit, two to three, I guess a three bid league. It should be this year. Uh, those will be live teams in the tournament. They're very impressive. The Pac-12, I'm not a fan of. Uh, I think Colorado is the best team in the in the conference. They're the best tournament team also. You know, I, I think of them as like a Villanova light. They have five guys that can sort of play iso ball, can post you up, and all can, can all shoot to three. Um, they're, you know, feisty defensively. They play hard. They're well coached. I like Colorado as sort of a sleeper. They're a team that I would probably bet to win the conference tournament and the real tournament, can they actually go the distance? Probably not. Uh, but I think they can like quietly just keep advancing to the elite eight to a point where you can sort of hedge your way out at that point. Uh, not enough talent to probably get it done. Maybe you play them game by game then if that's the case, but Colorado is the team I want out of the PAC 12. Interesting. USC is super talented. They're big. Uh, to me, they just are flat too often and they have too many guys that want to shoot it. They yeah. don't really run clean offense. Like when one Mobley's going, the other one doesn't seem to be going. Uh, when that's one that's guard, why I'm worried. I don't know how that's even possible. They're brothers. Like you they're know, what I mean? yeah, they're Page. They're they're kind of a strange team. The strange evaluation. I, mm. I don't see them making a big run. Yeah. So uh, you know, I like what you said. So San Diego State is plus four thousand to win the whole damn thing. Uh, Utah State will be plus six thousand here. That's on DraftKings. That's what I'm quickly looking up. Um, they're neck and neck here to win the Mountain West, plus 200 for Utah State, plus 145 for San Diego State. That's that's really interesting to hear that the Mountain West is as competitive as you're saying it is, because I think you're right, too. I, I think to circle back there, you said that these are older teams. That's something people don't look at a lot in the tournament. And I, I think we talked about a little bit in terms of Suggs as a freshman and some of these other guys. That's a lot to, to like that's a big factor. For, for the tournament experience tournament experience i mean some of these guys are transfers from other programs and, and they're looking for playing time so i mean guys who have been there before i think a lot of people don't look into that enough and that's why the kentuckys of the world every year never really get far in the tournament because they're all young and when the pressure's on and you don't start as hot as you want you get in a panic mode yeah i think the transfer portal has helped a lot of these uh mid-majors sort of i mean it's hurt some too i mean you know mike smith the point guard for uh, Michigan is a transfer from Columbia, you know, that they, these smaller schools have lost guys to some powerhouses, but the middle middling schools have also gained some guys that weren't getting any burn at their, you know, blue bud program previously. Um, it, Fresno, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Boise state has a transfer from Arizona, Devin Dutrieve. That's super talented. He doesn't even start for them just to give you some like perspective on how deep athletically Boise is uh, very scary tournament team also can lose to anyone because they have periods where they kind of go brain bust and a little bit stagnant, but they're dangerous. You don't want to face them. And San Diego state's a defensive juggernaut. I mean, yeah, very hard to get a clean look against them. Uh, not great in the half court offensively. They do have some, you know, a six, seven type point forward kid that can get his own shot outside of that. They really generate their points off turnovers and uh, in transition. So San Diego, I don't really like any of those teams to win the tournament. Yeah, uh, but they're, they're, look, and I think, though, what you're saying, though, and obviously we'll generate all of it for them to potentially win the tournament, but I think it's good to hear these points on them because, again, to have a really good tournament is winning that first game most of the time. I mean, people consider that a success. You get to the tournament and you can win that first game. These are teams that, again, these are now lower-seeded teams that wherever they end up landing – it's worth noting because if they verse a, a team that is matchup dependent and they make, you know, they make a lot of sense, 
it's worth that first underdog bet in the first round because you see right. it every year. That's a good point. Like the tournament opening weekend is sort of the best time at the tournament, you mm-hmm. know, at least for me it is. So of course, I, I think, I guess the point is any Mountain West team, in my opinion, can win their first two games if they make it to the tournament. And that's like a huge success to make it to the second weekend. Whereas the Pac-12, I'd probably be looking to fade all except for Colorado. Good. All right. So let's, let's bring it on home here. Um, who did I miss? Who's a team? I mean, we kind of touched on some that I did miss that you like the Villanovas, the Texases. Um, you gave a shout out to West Virginia. Obviously they're high in the rankings as well. We didn't touch on the back end of the top 10 too much Alabama. We didn't talk sec uh, Houston. Is there a team that we didn't exactly touch on Loyola Chicago? Is there a team that I didn't touch on that you think could actually make some noise in this tournament and potentially win the whole damn thing? All the teams you just mentioned, they're more live, I think, than some of the middling teams that we've been discussing. Houston's fourth in Ken Palm. Uh, mm-hmm. They're an absolutely tremendous team. They'll assault you on the glass. Yeah. Uh, their league is bad. The American is really tough, so it's a tricky eval. But the adjusted numbers are still holding up. I mean, Ken Palm accounts for that. And Houston, to me, is live to get the fourth one seed. Um, I actually saw a prop bet on FanDuel that was offering odds for who will be the fourth one besides the big three. And I saw Houston at plus 900. I thought that was interesting. They're a lock to win the conference tournament. Is that because of the big 10 though? Because there are so many big 10 teams up in those top, in the top five well, rankings. The or? whole one seed process is this. Um, the only way a big 10 team can get one is if they win the conference tournament because Michigan already has a one for sure. So, I mean, mm. if any of these other big 10 teams pull the upset and win the conference, they will probably get the fourth one the way I see it uh, outside of them, it's between probably Villanova and Alabama. If any of them win their conference tournament, they are live to get that fourth one. But if they don't, it kind of will go to default by Houston. And I kind of think mathematically anything over like seven to one is a decent play on Houston to get the fourth one seed, but they're really, really good. And Alabama is a tremendous team. You better get used to them. Like they're, they're going to the elite eight yeah. at a bare minimum. They, they're extremely, extremely well coached. They're a team that believes in analytics. They can score one through five. They strap their third defensively in the country, and they stunk on defense last year. Uh, the, old co- the old coach from Buffalo is there, and he's uh, uh, his name is slipping my mind at the moment, but he's a tremendous coach, and I think Bama is super live. And Nova is too to win the whole thing. Yeah, no, Nova, I feel like I, I like beat a dead horse with it because they're always going to be there. I mean, they're, they're, they're just always going to be there, so I didn't want to touch too much on it. Um, but they're a team for me. Like, I mean, they're, they're tournament, uh, tournament tested, but like, I feel like they're so bland sometimes that like, I mean, offensively that I, I just feel like if, if they don't really get anything going, like, I mean, what are you going to rely on Gillespie to really finish it? And he's a, he's seasoned. So I know he probably could, but like, again, I like Houston a lot. I actually feel the type of way about Houston because the only time I felt like hopping in to bet them, um, Recently, I bet on them against Wichita State and they lost. But the reason being is that I called the upset of Wichita State. I said, I don't know. I was like, Houston's really good. Like everyone was just talking about how good they are. I was like, yeah, but you're on the road in Wichita State. I was like, you know, like that's a that's a typical trap game. Everyone's like, Houston, 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 and they lost. But uh, they've been rolling since their next game. They won by 40 points. So uh, and Houston has been in some wars in the tournament. They've kind of made some runs. They ran into a hot Kentucky team, or else they would have been in a Final Four. Yeah. Um, Villanova, I disagree with your take a little bit. I kind of find it beautiful, their brand of basketball. Like, that's what I like to watch. They're so fundamentally sound. They do everything right on both sides of the ball. Uh, the thing is, they're just not 
overly talented. So if another team has their best day, they can beat them. That's I what that, with, I think that's all I was getting at. That's why I mean, Nova, like, though, you need to play your best game to beat them or else you ain't going to. So well, if, to your point too, not to jump in, but you know, you mentioned the bill self effect, obviously coaching is a big, a big part of this. And I think that's what it all kind of underlines. So, I mean, they're a well-coached basketball team. That's why it's going to take your best day because they're going to be sound. They're going to have all the T's dotted, all the T's, you know, all, all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed. So, I mean, yeah, you will have to have your best day and you know what Villanova is. That is that's your favorite brand of basketball? I you love must not be an NBA guy. You're definitely I'm, not an NBA guy. Not really. But, you know, Jay produces a lot of really good NBA players in the middle of the first, middle of the second round. Yes. Guys that constantly overachieve because they're so good with their fundamentals and they just haven't quite hit their athletic ceiling yet. By the time they yep. get to the league, all of a sudden I can run a little faster, jump a little higher and I'm scoring, you know, 18 points a game. Uh, I think some guys from Nova are having a strong year right now in the NBA. I don't follow it that closely, but I know Sadiq Bay has been impressive. Yeah, Bay is good. Uh, Pascal h- hangs around too. Uh, Pascal. Yeah. Yep. I think DiVincenzo does a little bit for yeah. uh, Milwaukee, but yeah, the, you know, Jay Wright's amazing. Nate Oates was the coach. I forgot his name at Alabama. I wanted to give him a shout out. He's a, an offensive genius. They're pure analytics. They only shoot layups and threes. So they're kind of an NBA brand type team. Uh, watch out for Bama in that regard. FSU. That might be my new team to back then. If that's the NBA style team, that might be my team to back. I think, you, yeah, pay, pay attention to Alabama. You'll like the way they play. Um, Loyola Chicago, I'm ashamed to say, I've only seen maybe play a half of basketball all year. They're the highest ranked mid-major that I've seen ever on Ken Palm. They're 12th in the country adjusted. They're they On paper, they're loaded. I can't wait to see how they play. Uh, so they're, they're not even – at the mid-major level still. They're like, they're advancing past that. I heard an interview with Rick Pitino the other day, and uh, he said that they're going to be the next Gonzaga, uh, you know, a few years down the road with the way that they're starting to recruit. So Loyola Chicago, I think, would be a team that uh, is pretty safe to make an Elite Eight run, as long as they get a clean draw. Interesting. Well, this is my, this was much needed information. I needed all of this. Now I can make a decision with my money, a well-educated decision instead of just betting on USC blindly because they have brothers that I thought would somehow be able to mesh well together, but apparently don't even though they're, they're brothers. So um, Pat, I appreciate all of this. I know the people definitely appreciate it. Anything you want to touch on here? I mean, you're going to probably be here next week. So, so if there's anything we missed, we could talk about it next week. Well, yeah, we'll definitely chat more, uh, once the sort of conference champions sort of shake out a little bit, the bubble gets a little cleaner and then we could really break down the, uh, the bracket and each team's individual draw at that point. I think we've done a good job covering the, the main points. Uh, maybe big East fans will be a little disappointed. We didn't really touch on Seton hall. Rutgers is having a great year. They're going to make the tournament locally. Maybe next time we have to look a little bit more at the local teams. I think both of them are dangerous in a tournament type scenario. So I think Rutgers is sitting like at an eight seed right now. I know they're also kind of trending in the wrong direction right now, but no, I I mean, we could, we could definitely talk big East next time we're on too. Yeah. Cause we kind of skipped past Villanova too. You want to know what it is. Again, I'm a Syracuse guy. I'm still salty about them leaving the big East. I wish they stayed there at heart and maybe I haven't gotten over it yet. Okay. Maybe. And the big East is down this year, to be fair. They're not great. They're not a good league. Last year they were better. I just hate talking about Creighton too. I just, I just don't want to talk about Creighton. I'm just, I'm, you, don't, I, you don't like Creighton? Unless Doug McDermott's on the team, I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> this was a, should have been a big year for Creighton. The thing is, they have an amazing home court advantage, and that was negated this year with COVID. So mm. that, that was another issue for them. I think they have a chance once these buildings start to fill up a little bit 
to sort of refine themselves. Creighton is a team that I think is dangerous. We didn't talk about them, but they could definitely win the whole thing. Well, we'll still, uh, circle all this back once we have our exact matchups. We'll see the play-ins. We'll, we'll kind of have an idea of where the brackets actually line up, the teams that made it, the teams that didn't. Uh, because, yeah, there's still a two, three games left, and there's a lot that could happen. We know college basketball. There's still a lot that could happen, plus conference championships. So we'll see how it shakes up. But, Pat, thanks for coming on, man. This was awesome. And um, hopefully Michigan wins the whole damn thing for us. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we need Michigan, man. Frank. That interview with Pat DiMartino was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, a big shout-out to Pat for coming on the show. As always, he always comes through with some knowledge, broke down the bracket for me, or at least not the bracket, but the potential teams in the bracket that we got to look forward to. And, you know, when the bracket comes out itself and the 64-team field is out there, he'll definitely be coming back on looking at some early upset potential and uh you know some cinderella stories that we'll want to follow going into uh you know the entire month of march so i'm excited for that he might even be on next week as we break down some football so stick around for that next week come back i know you guys always do i appreciate you guys always tuning in and listening in a little shorter episode this week but it's nice short sweet to the point for you guys dropping some gambling knowledge as we get ready for this march madness so be sure to follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Like, download, rate, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. Be safe, guys. I love you. Talk to you soon. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.